I can only imagine. I would love to experience that. Well, someday, the, in the future, the, the, maybe. Listen, by the time this is published, who knows? <laughs> we're, we're technically time traveling. Oh, cool. In some weird way. <laughs> I've always wanted to do that. Hey everybody! Uh, welcome back to our, an, another episode of our side series uh, of Little Scaries. Uh, my name is Colby. I am super excited about our guest. He is a director, designer, a cinematographer. Like, what? What? What don't you do? You know? Let's let's uh, be honest. Jordan Noel. Uh, yeah, I, I dad more than I do any of those things. <laughs> you are a pro dad. I believe. You. I think to be pro, you have to get paid for something, and uh, all Does I get getting... paid for, all I, the only payment I receive is um, a lot of hard lessons learned by me. <laughs> Do we not count love and affection as payment as well? <laughs> uh, I I think I pay that. I don't, I rarely <laughs> rarely receive it. Man, I can't wait to be a parent. <laughs> oh, it is. Which. Oddly enough, and we'll get into this in a bit, it goes in line with, with the movie of, of your choice. But before we jump into your fantastic movie of choice for this episode, uh, I do want to talk about, because you are one of the few people that we get on, the, on this podcast that is a real fan of horror. Like, you're into it. I am. And so tell me about, like, tell me how you got into it. Were you always a fan or did you kind of grow into it as, as you got older? I'm sort of a reluctant super fan of horror. Uh, when I was a kid, I hated horror movies, hated them. I just had no, I had no interest in them. I mean, I liked Jaws, but, and I, and I grew up in Florida. So like Jaws was horrifying. Very specific. <laughs> super specific. Uh, and I spent a lot of time at like SeaWorld. So like Jaws 3, which I think was the first one I saw. I mean, it was, it was, it was just you know, terrified to go to SeaWorld, which I loved. And then when I was 11, I mean, I'm, first of all, we, I, I didn't grow up going to the movies very much and we didn't have a TV. So like we watched, we would watch Raiders of the Lost Ark and Star Wars A New Hope. And I don't know. We all the stuff things. that was on, that was on syndication and all that stuff. Well, we had a computer monitor and a VCR. Uh -huh. So we would occasionally rent a movie. Um, and we owned like three movies, um, one of which was Pretty Woman, which does, did not live in the in the in the living room. <laughs> no, that's a um, that's a secret stash movie. Yeah, absolutely not in my secret stash. No, um, no, no, of course not. <laughs> but um, when I was eleven, I was over at um, my friend Catherine's house, and we watched. Her parents, for whatever reason, put on Vertigo for us, and mm. it petrified me specifically the part where she where they're in the in the like the redwood forest and she points at that cross section of the tree and she says i died here and and i was just like Rawr. i couldn't couldn't Oof. couldn't handle it and so for years after that i still didn't watch horror movies i mean when i was a teenager i my friends would watch them and i i hated them and then i had a roommate in college who or i, I was invited to come live in a house 
my second year of college and um and it was this guy thurston and he loved horror movies and every friday night he would watch he'd invite friends over and he would watch four or five horror movies on a friday night yeah and so i got a real quick education on you know slumber party massacre and a billion other movies and one one of the so this is a i'm sure i'm telling way too much of this story but so thurston (laughs) thurston was like why don't you come live with me and i was like um we weren't that good of friends and i was like well maybe and then i was like waiting for a sign to tell me go live with thurston and so i was in the i was in the mail room uh at the university checking my mail and i walked by the trash can it was just an open trash can and there was a poster inside and i reached i'm like this is i love pulling stuff out of trash cans so like of course I'm curious and I pull this thing out and it's a poster for this, uh, for this horror movie from uh, early seventies, maybe late sixties, probably early seventies called the corpse grinders. Damn. Yeah. And it's a, and I was just fascinated. So I took it home and I, and I was like, this is my sign. I, I have to, I have to go live with Thurston and watch horror movies all the time. I eventually hunted down a copy of the corpse grinders. And it's about this um, cat food company that um, like already this, incredible. Yeah. The stuff that they use to make cat food gets too expensive. So they hire like a cemetery man guy to dig up bodies the, and the, the freshest ones. Cause they're, you know, you don't want to, you don't want to feed cats total crap. Safety and, first, uh, obviously. Exactly. So they they have this grinder and they grind these human bodies up into cat foods. And once the cats get a taste for human flesh, you can guess that then cats are just going to attack all humans. Wow. Yeah, it's not it's not great, <laughs> but but it's a lot of fun. That does sound like a very uh, fun, uh, not even like B movie. That's like C D movie. <laughs> I down I give it a straight F. <laughs> but it's but a really sometimes it's fun to get an f for sure uh, f is for fun sometimes yeah so so that, it was that was my 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 falling in love with with horror movies was was with thurston in that in that weird apartment with shag orange shag carpet um it sounds iconic yeah it 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 it, it was a pretty legendary house and uh and after that i was i i moved to athens and i there was this amazing, amazing video store in Athens. It had several different names over the, names over the years, but this guy, um, Klon, K-L-O-N, hmm. awesome guy. He worked there, and I would just go to him, and I'd be like, Klon, give me five movies for the week. And it would, you know, a lot of times there were really messed up horror movies in there. <laughs> and, I'm, sure, uh, I'm sure some of them would have been episodes uh, for us. Yes. And... Uh, so I, I fell in love with them because they challenged the, the very like sweet, positive, um, good Christian upbringing that I had. And it, it sort of, and there were hints of it when I was a kid, my mom read Frank Peretti books, you know, about, about spiritual warfare and all. So I like remember things like that. And I remember the talk in church about evil. I remember, in the 80s when um hell's bells the 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 documentary about 
how evil rock music is came to our church and, <laughs> oh my god and you know and the satanic panic of the 80s and all that stuff like by the time we hit 99 2000 early 2000s like that stuff didn't feel like so much of a threat anymore and i think mm. I, it allowed my scaredy cat brain to to take in a little bit of horror you, you weren't as scared of you know being possessed by a demon certainly not uh, as as you used to be i'm sure now that's, <laughs> that was that's a big fear just, of mine yeah and it and it's still i mean what we we of our podcast we did an episode a long time ago because we haven't done it forever but um about most disturbing movies and the omen is one of mine because it's terrifying and and there's a part of me that still thinks maybe that's possible I, know, I, maybe... I feel the same thing it is like especially with just like religious horror movies there's something that like draws me to them yeah and if they're good then it's like just that much of a better experience totally. um and it is because of our you know <laughs> conservative very christian background yes. that i think i think it almost like propelled us into horror fandom in some ways like yeah is going to of course yeah i mean i so i went back a couple of years ago and i watched hell's bells and i was like so many of these bands became my favorite bands years later like i didn't it wasn't like i remembered them from hell's bells and was like i'm gonna look up that band from hell's bells it was just like the path that that sort of set me on for my life ended up introducing me to these bands um, and then you're like they're cool i like them now <laughs> they're super cool interesting I'm, I'm also curious because your horror tastes uh, we bonded over a lot of our favorite horror movies yeah um, and we went through a phase where you convinced me to watch and i don't remember the director's name but the guy who did possession yeah yeah andre um, Zou, i don't actually know how to say his first name i don't know how to say his, his last Polish name things make my head explode um Zulowski is is the is the director's name yes and possession um, is from 1980 sam neill isabella johnny is is my favorite movie oh like overall yeah i mean it's just oh i didn't even know that much yeah and when we when we first talked about it it may not have been yet but i've watched it many times since then and it just i don't know it just does something to me that i that i can't quite put my finger on it's wild and and because of of your love of that director I, you told me basically which movies of his to check out. And I think I watched probably three or four before awesome. I was like, I think I need, I think I need a break <laughs> from these. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, I, a lot. I haven't seen them all because I want, I need a break. They're, they're it's... really intense. Um, but so thoughtful and, and, and difficult, but I don't, I mean, people would have, well, of course be like, well, they're what, what kind of pretentious film is this? And, I don't, I think, I think pretentiousness is, is, is total BS. I I just think like people's brains work differently. And like this guy was telling stories that are in his head and like some of us are going to relate with them and some of them, some were not. And, and I mean, there are Zulowski films I've seen that I'm like, that did not do it for me. Like, I don't know what he's talking about there. Um, But possession, I don't know. It gets, it gets me. And honestly, uh, I think I think Christian loves it as well, and I I loved it as well. So if we did an episode on possession, 
would you be interested in doing another guest appearance? Absolutely. So we can really get your, your, your detailed opinions on it because yeah. I know that I would love to hear them. Any excuse so. to talk about possession. Hell yeah. All right. Well, it's set in stone now because we're recording, <laughs> so you can't Good. back out ever. It's a contract Good. basically. Um, <laughs> but um, so yeah, let's, let's talk about your movie. Let, okay. Introduce it for us. Um, you don't have to like give a synopsis or anything yet, but um, since it is your choice. Yeah. Um, now I'm like, I don't even know what year it's from. I think it's from 2008. Oh, I got that. Okay, good. It's a movie called We Need to Talk About Kevin. And it stars... Oh, okay. Stars Tilda Swinton and John C. Riley and Ezra something. Miller. Miller. Yeah. Um, and it's directed, directed by Lynn Ramsey, who did other films that people have seen um i've only ever seen uh you were never really here is that what that movie's called yep same that was the only one i'd seen um, by her but as I'm, well, i really want to see her two earlier films and then she just signed on to do something exciting and i can't remember what it is oh it's um it's a stephen king adaptation anyway we need to talk what? about yeah it's um you the, can't just drop that you know we both love stephen king yeah we do but it's a book i haven't read it's um the girl who loved Tom Gordon or whatever that what's that book called? Yeah, the girl who loved Tom Gordon. Interesting. I think it's that one. I haven't read That's it. Fascinating. So. Um, but I'll see anything she makes. For sure. So she, I think she made two features before we need to talk about Kevin, and I haven't seen them. They are uh, Ratcatcher uh, in 1999 and Morvern Collar yeah. in 2002. Um, they both look very interesting. Basically. Apparently they're both amazing, but I just, they haven't been, they haven't, they haven't shown up in front of me for me to press play on yet. She's definitely an auteur, I would say in a lot of ways. Yeah. She's, she's, she's very, her work is very distinct. And so we need to talk about Kevin. It was like her first movie in like eight or nine years. And it's an adaptation of a book by some dude um, that I haven't read. Uh, I'm interested in reading it, but. It also has not been Come plopped in my lap. <laughs> so uh, not that I only watch things that go plop in my lap, but you know. Huh, gross. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely gross. Um, so it's a, it's a hard movie to like synopsize it all. And we don't have to. We definitely do not yeah. have to. And that's, the, that's kind of the beauty of It's about a mom and her relationship with her son who is a sociopath and a horrible person. He's, he's, he's got some issues. He's complicated. He's he complicated. is complicated. Yes. I like that. He's complicated. Very complicated. Um, and so it, it, it's, a, it's, it's not, I mean, I had heard about it for years before I saw it and, but not heard anything about it other than like people love it. It's well-respected. Um, it's disturbing um visionary but it's not a horror movie necessarily. no like we wouldn't we wouldn't necessarily go that far no i mean but it is disturbing we, it's, it's like very disturbing but it, it toes the line yeah which i think horror movies in general when you walk into a horror movie you're expecting to be scared and disturbed and you know and whatever and and there's something about that I think that 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 ends up making it less scary because you're 
your in, your intention is to be scared. Um, you're you're and, expecting it. Yeah, it's, it's hard for things to really get under your skin um, sometimes when you're expecting it to. And this movie, I I prefer to know nothing about a movie before I watch it. Same. And that's how I was able to go into this one. And so it really uh, got under my skin because I was uh, I was already a parent when I saw it. So I have, I have two kids. They're eight and four right now. Um, I think I first saw it only maybe three years ago. So I, I had two kids Oof. and um, it's a movie about parenting. And at its heart. Yeah, that's that's it's just about parenting. <laughs> yeah. And parenting. I mean, it's, I have to be, I have to tread lightly here um, because <laughs> <laughs> parenting is, is awesome. I always wanted to be a dad. Um, I always wanted the challenge of it. I always wanted the joy of it. I, 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 I'm a, I'm a guy who loves commitment. I love to like jump into things that are life-changing commitments. <laughs> Everything about your, that sentence was the most stressful thing I've ever heard in my life. I just want oh, you to I love it. I just, I just kind of, for me, that's very much, it's a lot of what life is like, is, is, sure. is about. It's just like, I'm just going to do this. It's scary. I'm going to do it. Or now I, I don't think I knew that parenting was going to be as, um, was going to have aspects that are as terrifying as they are. And so I'm, I'm trying to, so the, <laughs> you're doing great. <laughs> it's such a, it's such a, a funny, there's, there's the, all these amazing positive things about parenting. And then there are these very, very difficult things about parenting. And, and this movie basically takes all of those things that are scary about parenting that you may not even realize until you are a parent, just how terrifying they are. And it ratchets them up to this place where they're, they are unavoidable. And so I'll just go ahead and say, I'm gonna make two statements about this film. Fantastic. A, it is, I, I think very much in the running, if not already won it, for the greatest film of this century. Okay. Yes. I just, I love, I, I love the big, the big commitments. <laughs> Hell yeah. See, see, it's fun. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> uh, I'm not sure that, I mean, I've, I've seen some amazing movies that have come out in the last 20 years and there, there's some, some absolute competition, but this movie is so effective and every shot is so perfect. And the performances are perfect. Everything, everything about this transcends the, the quality that most horror movies are. The other thing I'll say about it is I've already forgotten. Uh, I got so lost in it being the greatest film of this century so far. It's okay. I think that makes up for <laughs> your second one. It's That's such a big things. swing on the first one. Yeah, truly. Honestly, I think it's, I think your, your claim is, is big enough. And I think there's, I don't, I'm not going to say I necessarily agree with you, yeah. but I think that there are many arguments that can be made in this film's favor for that, because it really is just such a well-made, well-written, well-shot, um, unpredictable, like totally there's so many, unpredictable. I, like I remember my first experience watching this, which I think I saw it pretty soon after it came out, not, mm -hmm. I didn't see it in theaters, but 
probably around 2011 or 12. Um, and I didn't really, I, I probably went in blind. Um, I don't remember having much of a, an idea going in, but by the end, it was just kind of like, I was a little bit speechless, truly. Like yeah. it, it, from the performances and the way that it ends, like <laughs> yeah. it's heavy. It's so heavy. Oh yeah. And, and that was right around the time when, when I was like getting into like heavy horror movies, like the stuff that we do the podcast about. Yeah. And even though I wouldn't call this movie extreme by, by any means, you don't really see anything. It's not, no. it's not graphic, but the subject matter and the tone of everything puts it on par with like anything. Yeah. It's, and it's emotion. It's emotionally extreme. Yes, for sure. And that's as that's coming from somebody who's not a parent and <laughs> right. who after, after seeing this movie, maybe doesn't want to be a parent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it, it it's really, scary. it's scary in a whole different way for than, real uh, than be, seeing it as a parent, I think. Yeah. I mean, it, it's so the, it's made so well that the only other movie I can think of that, that holds that sort of emotional power and, the, and, and holds my attention on, on character and, and just is, um, Cassavetti's um, uh, A Woman Under the Influence. Have you seen it? Mm, I haven't even heard of that one. It is phenomenal. It, it's not a horror movie. It's a drama. It's it's straight drama, Cassavetti style. It's amazing. But um, uh, it, like I, when I watched it, I felt like I was going to throw up a lot of the time, <laughs> just, just from the like emotional character tension in the film. And, and I have similar feelings in, we need to talk about Kevin. Um, and I think the, the reason that this movie works so well as a scary movie is that it's all possible. So like- It's so and, grounded and like, in reality. Yes, I mean, it, it's, it's, it's like intensely possible. So possible in fact, that it, it essentially has happened many times yeah um, the the climax is, is something that has only gotten more relevant since the movie has been released in right. so many which just makes it that much scarier honestly right. so when we look at the omen there's a part of us that feels like this this could happen we we could have a kid switched in the hospital that is the antichrist it's i mean it's possible if sure. what we were raised to believe is true and millions upon millions of people believe that it's true. So maybe, maybe that's it's possible. The, it's, the, it's the same effect. Yeah, it, it, it has the exact same effect. Uh, but this one is intensely true, uh, intensely possible. And on top of that, it, it doesn't, it works in a way that it doesn't have to be exactly that that happens. It doesn't have to be that you end up parenting the Antichrist. It just has to be that your child ends up doing something awful and you have to like deal with the guilt of it so i i've i've written this down because i my brain doesn't always work and that i think there's four things and i haven't written down this time so i'm not forgetting any of them hell yeah um that that like the list is what's scarier than colon number one is feeling 
as a parent feeling no connection to your child. So like, I mean, that's, that's your job, right? Just nothing. Yeah. And that, that's, oh. that's Tilda Swinton's job. And this, I mean, she, she has a kid, she has to be maternal. She has to raise this kid. That's, that is, that's, that's her role. And it, she doesn't feel that maternal instinct. I mean, it's just not, and what she does feel it isn't working. So that's terrible. The biggest responsibility that's of your life and you can't meet it. Horrifying. Your list is off to a, 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 hot, a hard start. <laughs> like that's tough. <laughs> Number two, being held responsible for your child's actions. So she didn't, she didn't do the things in this, in this film. Nope. Her son did it. And yet she is, is being held responsible by her community of which she was a part she's being held responsible for his, his actions. His actions. That's, that's so true. Like that's such a, a, a brutal part of this movie is the way that she's treated by oh, yeah. neighborhood and community because yeah. of what her son did. And it really like her life sucks. Yes. There's no way around it. And it's, it's been completely ruined. Yeah. I mean, the, the, there's just, I mean, part of me sits there in this movie and it's like, move, please move, please, please go somewhere else. Go leave, go on vacation. But she's, she's left with, she doesn't have anything. She, like, when you don't have a job and you don't have money and your son is in prison, you know, in that community, what, you can't move across the country and start your life over. You're stuck. Absolutely. Which leads me to um, number three, which is uh, this idea that it, ha it happens to all parents. Like th this isn't a possibility. This is, this is a definite, is that you have a kid and all of a sudden part of your life is no longer in your control. Like this idea that, that we can we can parent our way out of whatever our kid's doing is only true in, in, a, in a, a sort of random. So like I was having a conversation with another dad about this the other night and it's like, you know, we can, we can parent until our head falls off and we can make 99% awesome, amazing, best parenting choices ever, but we're going to mess up. What we don't have control over is what our kid latches onto, remembers, learns from, you know, and, and that's just the nurture part. Then you've got the nature part of, you know, what, what you are somehow <laughs> having willpower over that, that, you know, you're trying to, to exhibit behavior that, you know, is positive, but you've got negative in you and, and that's good. That, and then you get sins of the father, all that kind of messy, messy you, you stuff. Might, you might have a little, a little Kevin in you, <laughs> which is the, the last thing you want in a job. Right. Um, and and we're, we're, just, we're just fooling ourselves to think that, that we have any real control over who our children become. And the fourth thing is also related to that, but how, what if mistakes that we're making choices that we make or or just an inability to connect what if all that is creating a monster 
Look, I, I absolutely adore my children. They are amazing, beautiful creatures who are creative and funny and kind and just beautiful people. But they also are sometimes monsters. <laughs> and, you know, how I react to that one little thing, it just feels like any one thing can snowball. And what if, what if my mistakes are creating a monster? Jeez. It's, it's, it's terrifying. You're, you're giving me all of these new perspectives on why <laughs> this movie is even scarier than it already is. And it's, it's, it's really, it's your, your statement of this is the best movie of this century <laughs> might have something to it. It's, I mean, it's just, it goes this, the, the, the depth of this story goes all the way down because it's not just oh, what if my kid is a sociopath who kills eight or nine people? I mean, that's, prob that's probably not going to happen. But there's a, there's a, a pretty good chance that your kid is going to do something terrible or that your kid is going to, you know, end up... <laughs> like, I, I, I'm a very open-minded person. I, I have friends of all across all spectrums of kinds of people. I love people. I just, I, I love to, I love all of that, but yes. that doesn't mean, but the, like the, even within a wide spectrum of, of people that I adore, there are some things I don't want my kids to be. As, as there should be. <laughs> and what, what do we do if your kid, so your kid doesn't end up being a, a school shooter or a mass murderer, but they could end up being awful in some other way. Any, any other thing. Yeah. And, 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 and a lesser thing, but it's still just like, the, and so when I watch, we need to talk about Kevin, I'm watching this kid who desperately needs to be loved, who with every ounce of his being rejects being loved he refuses to be vulnerable in any way. He's constantly on the defense. And that is terrifying. There's no way to get through to this kid. And sometimes, even with my eight-year-old that I adore, I feel like there's no way to get through to this kid. Like I'm trying all these things and the behavior isn't changing or the attitude isn't changing. I'm I just, I don't know what to do. And then I get frustrated and then I'm like, oh no, these mistakes are turning this kid into a monster. <laughs> into and, a Kevin. And, and then it's my fault. And, and and I think you're you're absolutely right. And I think what makes it even scarier for Tilda Swinton is that he is all of those things to her, Kevin is, but he's not all of those things to the dad. Right. And so Tilda is alone in this situation because- you know, Kevin is a, uh, a picture perfect son to not picture perfect, but better to, yeah. to, to, John, oh, to John C. Riley, who yeah. always good to see John C. Riley in a, in a serious role. He's the best. Man, I, I cannot agree with that more. He's so he, good. At, when I when I watched it the first time, I was like, oh, man, I can't I can't take him seriously. I don't like I don't I just see him like shake and bake like I can't, this doesn't this doesn't work for me. And then but he's. He's actually such an incredible actor that uh, it, it only took a couple scenes before I was totally sold. And now when I watch it, 
I mean, there's just, he's just, he embodies that character so well. Everybody in this movie is like incredible, truly. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, I don't know if you had had really seen Ezra Miller in anything before uh, this. I don't know if I've seen him in anything before or since. Interesting. I really like him as an actor. Um, He's, he's, he's done some, some cool, like weird roles, but (laughs) the, the first time I ever saw him in something uh, was not, we need to talk about Kevin. I think this was probably the second thing. And I had forgotten about the first thing when I was watching mm-hmm. it for the first time. And then I remembered, I was like, oh, I saw this guy. Uh, I'll give some background, I guess. Uh, it was a dark time in my life. I was um, <laughs> watching a lot of USA TV shows at the time. Okay. Um, which, some of which I, I'll stand behind. I like Psych. Sure. I think Psych is a good show. But okay. I was watching a lot of the shitty ones too at the time. I don't know why. <laughs> they were just on all the time. And there was a show called Royal Pains. <laughs> I've never even heard of it. It's bad. I don't, we won't get into it, but there was like a two episode arc uh, where Ezra Miller is this like rich snobby kid. And I remember so distinctly watching those two episodes and being like this like 12 or 13 year old kid is by far the best actor on the show. Like, and he's only in two episodes. It's, you know, very quick, but, and I had forgotten about him. And then a couple years later, I'm watching, we need to talk about Kevin and I'm like, (laughs) <laughs> oh, it's the Royal Pains kid. Yeah. What? He's incredible and scary. He's like it it, it fully made me a fan of his and I and I try to seek out his stuff uh, awesome. when I can. He's also he's also a pretty good musician as well. Oh, um, which is cool. I can't stand people who do both. <laughs> which is funny cuz I do both. People are people have too many talents. It sucks for people who can't do either like myself <laughs> oh you but, you certainly um, can i mean i <laughs> i just i i came from the music world i i still i still dabble but i i'm not sure i'm not actively trying anymore it's it's film is infinitely more interesting to me that's than, fair than playing music um, um i do i i do have a question about um this movie because there's the climax itself is which it sounds crazy to say this is not the most disturbing thing about this movie. No. It's not the most disturbing thing that Kevin does. Yeah. But I am curious about which of the like interactions he had with Tilda Swinton or, or in the household that like stuck with you in a, in a scary way, because he, he does some like unexpected things that I wouldn't have ever thought about as a child. And like yeah. you mentioned, like would absolutely scare the shit out of me as a parent. Um, There's, two that immediately come to mind the first is the way that he behaves after she breaks his arm oh yeah Um, where he just he like immediately registers you know i've got i've got the upper hand here now like that was all that was all i needed now now i've got power over her which is look he has (laughs) oh man The, the kids look and then the two younger kids that play him younger are also just like stunning actor children it's they could have been they could have been damien in the omen oh yeah totally (laughs) easily uh the one thing that makes me chuckle though in that arm break scene and then when he refers to his broken arm later is if you've seen bing crosby and um danny uh what's his name in white christmas uh they are they play two gis who are 
in the in the war together and um one of them saves the other but it breaks his arm like save and so th throughout the movie he's like uh -huh. whenever he's <laughs> trying to convince the other one to do something he's like uh remember the arm uh and so I, i'm sure that's an unintended of, uh, consequence of of, of that part and in, in we need to talk about kevin but it does make no 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 fun. that's what we call an easter egg oh, right, <laughs> for sure deep a deep easter egg <laughs> um so that one that one really disturbs me because because kids are really smart and kids are super selfish <laughs> and <laughs> and i don't mean that in like a kids are terrible way i mean that in a like that's how they're built to to make them survive to make them get what they want um, and so I think it's entirely possible that a kid could see an opportunity like that and, and use it. The that other scene thing definitely that, feels very realistic. Yeah. For sure. The other thing that really sticks with me is the, is the moment in the movie where Kevin does a 180 and attaches himself to Tilda Swinton for a short period of time and totally rejects John C. Riley, And it's another power play. I'm obviously fixated on these power plays because yeah. I'm in a constant power play with <laughs> You're mainly my eight-year-old. Yeah. And like, I mean, they, you know, they, they, they're smart again. And so that part where she's like, finally, he's letting me in. And, and you're she, like, this is beautiful. And it's hope. It's totally sinister. Whew. <laughs> and what's what's even like what leads into that scene or what that scene leads into like he, what what is it he's sick or something and she like reads to him in bed mm -hmm. and it's a very sweet it's like the first oh, sweet yeah. moment of the movie you're like oh this is nice for yeah. once and uh and yeah it's very short-lived for sure very very short-lived and and the the thing is that like that's it's totally how kids are when they're sick. Like, <laughs> you can have days and or weeks in a row where like you're constantly just like battling with this kid and then they get sick and all of a sudden it's like I mean I don't want my kid to be sick but I'm really enjoying this like sweet <laughs> snuggle thing that's happening. Um and and there's like but there's like guilt in that because you don't want to enjoy your kid being sick. No, of course not. I mean, that's like a, its own disorder in itself, right? As a parent. Yeah. yeah, I mean, and there's actual disorders where parents make their children sick. The, the, right, the that's just so scary. Kind. Oh man, so scary. With So an interesting thing that I didn't realize probably in the first time I saw this movie, going back to the, to the nice sweet scene, um, I didn't realize this until probably my second viewing, what she's reading to him is uh, Robin Hood. And so that is what gets him on the path Whoa. to like enjoying a bow and arrow and wanting to get into that. archery. And, and then after that, uh, his dad buys him yeah. a bow and arrow. And then that, so another aspect of whatever choices you're doing with your kids, maybe, my, maybe even a book that you're choosing to read with them oh, yeah. is turning them into a monster. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah, totally. And like, Oh God, no, I had never realized that. And that's so, 
it's so it's, smart uh, every another layer <laughs> choice in this movie is so smart it it just it it like i watched the movie and i'm like all i want to do is make movies and the other half of me is like i'm not this good at making movies like, why bother <laughs> how, how how does a person think to do all this this is incredible um but i you know again like bringing it back home <laughs> just like a week ago letty my eight-year-old was like i really only like movies if they have like fighting like sword fighting and and you know stuff like like violent stuff in them and like uh that's not that's not what i want for my kids i mean i i i I abhor violence i'm i i am a total pacifist in real life i love violent (laughs) horrible death movies i i love them i love you know friday the 13th and i love halloween and i love 13 assassins which if you haven't seen you should um I love all I love that it's so dramatic and so otherworldly but like the idea of that being part of real life is just I, I can't so scary you are you are what we like to call in the industry a cellar dweller <laughs> yes you're one of and, us and I, that's I mean in case you can't tell I'm also cellar. literally a cellar dweller uh <laughs> like i got kidnapped by al-qaeda or something you're just you're just very deep in character <laughs> currently yeah, totally method that's so method um i i want to go back to uh religion for a second of course because another and we've kind of touched on this but like the, there's no there's no breathing room in this film because there's no way to separate there's no plausible um, spacer to put between me and this possibility. There's, there's just, there's just nothing. This is either going to happen to me or it, or it isn't. And like, it probably isn't, but it could, or to some degree it could. And sure. it's not. And, and so in a way it's sort of a boogeyman um, that you have no control over that can, come and it's not going to stop coming for you um which is why i love boogeyman movies but um but this i mean just (laughs) the first time i watched this lily my wife watched it with me and she 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 went into it blind too and she was like nope never watching that movie again this is a tough watch (laughs) this is not a good thing for parents to watch (laughs) nope because it's not even a cautionary tale really i mean it's not even like she's not doing anything wrong (laughs) right like don't make this mistake or you'll end up like this this is just sorry you're fucked luck of the draw (laughs) and uh so that mentioned the sister either there's a sister they have another another child which okay there, well, there has to be a sister because one of the biggest fears as a parent is what one child is going to do to the other child. And it's horrible. And I carry so much guilt because we, co- we end up coming so, down so much harder on our eight-year-old than our four-year-old because it's like, A, you have to be setting an example, a good example for your sister. Mm-hmm. And B, you don't hurt her. <laughs> you know? <laughs> like, like, 
don't leave the bleach out or the Drano out so that she drinks it. Please don't yeah. do that. Um, <laughs> you know, it, it's just, uh, it, it, the, I'm sure the novel is amazing. Um, but we'll have to, we'll have to read it at some point. I know. Sure. I, I mean, I'm interested too. I mean, God, an even deeper dive into this terrifying thing, <laughs> the world. <laughs> uh, but it, it basically takes to me this 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 story takes every parenting fear and and you know boils it down to its most terrifying uh i was watching an interview with tilda swinton about this movie and it was fascinating i think she's fascinating um the most interesting she's so thoughtful in her approach and she was talking about how the, the approach to her character in this movie was so different than anything she'd done before because she, she, she essentially had to create a, a non-character. Like she, if she created too much of a character for this, then people could be like, oh, I'm not, I'm not like her. Like nothing to worry about. Instead, mm-hmm. she had to like actively <laughs> sort of deplete the character so that she became just a, a, a sounding or, a, a, you know, something of the way that she described it was that everything that happened like lands on her. And so mm-hmm. you feel that because you relate with her because she's sort of so vague, which is a funny thing to say about Tilda Swinton, who is so incredibly distinct, unique. But, yeah, <laughs> But she, it's so like, I mean, I'm not a mom and I totally she's, she's everybody. She is everybody, every parent, all in one. I know, I totally know what you mean. That's an interesting way of looking at it. Yeah, because I I think most, I think a lot of actors would have approached it with like, oh, I'm going to create this really cool, deep character with all this pain and all that. And she's just like, nope, I'm basically just going to be this empty vessel for your fears. And it works so much better. Oh, man. It's so cool. It's such a cool (laughs) choice. I if I, if I, I wonder how I would feel about this if I wasn't so in love with the filmmaking. Like, I'm so impressed and and blown over by the filmmaking, every aspect of it in this movie because it's not even just like you know this movie's not some like straight narrative. It's told in such a like hallucinatory way, but not obnoxious. I mean, this last time I was watching it, I was like, it's amazing that this works everything is happening so fast and all over the time spectrum. And we don't know what's going on. I made a note the first time I watched it, I was like 31 minutes in and I was like, this movie is like 80% atmosphere and 20% substance. Like I'm, I'm, I'm hooked. Yes. And the shots are so good that I love watching every single shot. I mean, that first shot is so haunting. Remind me what it is. The, the first shot. Yeah. It's it's just the empty room with the the back. Um, it's their house. It's dark, and it's from inside. And it's looking out like the back sliding glass door, and the glass oh. door is open, and the breeze is just kind of gently blowing this white um, drape. Yes, and, and I know, and I know what the scene is. Yes. Oh yeah. my god! It's Holy totally shit. haunting, and you don't even know why it's haunting until the end. No idea. And then the second shot is is a is then a series of shots that are the same, that are the, the scene that is so bizarre, but so perfect. And it's her and this huge crowd and everybody's covered in tomato sauce, <laughs> but it looks like blood. It's just like hundreds of people and she's being carried 
and it's it's younger her and it's just like but somehow the filmmaking is so good that it all makes sense that that shot really the the tomato like festival shot Mm -hmm. really sets sets the viewer up because the movie is such a claustrophobic movie Mm -hmm. um and that I think I, I view that scene as like, or that flashback as like a literal representation of the feeling that you're going to have the rest of this movie. Yeah, totally. Um, and I, Cause it, it's like suffocating in a lot of yeah. ways. Yeah. And, the, and it's, it's the, all the, all the early scenes are, it's like, first of all, the, the, the use of color in this movie is phenomenal. All and, the it, and, it's, and it's, and it's, it's a very obvious use of color, which I, really appreciate i i really appreciate a bold move that is kind of taking a chance because it doesn't feel real um but everything else feels so real that it ends up totally working but like it's this beautiful experience in her life and and she i don't think then later she can separate being covered in red and in a crowd from this other experience that it that it gets juxtaposed with and that's that's such an interesting way that memory works and and sort of the, the images in our head as far as memory and 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 it's so much potential that that's it's one thing that's another thing that's really terrifying to me about this is <laughs> is that you have a kid and that the potential for that kid to be this amazing experience and this like positive force in the world well what if they aren't what if they're a negative force what what if (laughs) you know and so there's it's all this lost potential and then you've got her and her husband john c Riley, who have this beautiful relationship pre-kids that that it's obvious how loving and open and and beautiful and like world traveling and and cool that relationship is and Mm -hmm. it's totally destroyed by the rift caused by this child like all and, aspects of her life were are, are affected by this right every single and, one and all all potential is lost yeah God. and <laughs> is it because of her mistakes is it because this kid's just rotten to begin with which i i don't believe in like good and evil people so like my my approach to this movie is not oh he's born evil sure I just I don't I just don't believe that I believe that it's a whole mess of things that create who we are later everything um, yeah that's that's totally yeah. out of our or anyone else's control fully at least and um, so you know that, that there's so much potential lost and 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 then on top of that the movie's just every single choice uh, there's one choice in this movie that Tilda Swinton makes that I'm like, why are you doing that? And it's <laughs> it's when there's all that red paint splattered all over her house and she spends so much, and I, I, I also, I mean, I'm being a bit facetious and extreme about, I don't understand her motive. I, I get it. I mean, she, want, she wants to, some normalcy, she wants to work towards something. Yes. But I'd be like, I'm gonna paint my house red oh nice when she's cleaning off the red paint from her yeah i'm just gonna match that red and i'll paint my whole house that red and then they can't do it to me anymore but she she has a relationship with red where she would not want her house to be red yes oh that's interesting i never thought about it from that perspective 
it's just a it's it's just a at least in my experience it is a totally watertight movie that like i think i don't think i i I have an argument against you like because i've watched this movie pretty recently over over the summer because for the podcast before we started publishing we did a practice run and this was the first movie that me and christian chose because we knew we both loved it yeah and so that was our first time of like doing kind of a deep dive into the the making of it and and you know what more of the symbolism meant um so when you chose this movie i was like so excited because (laughs) a it's awesome of course and b we recently watched it so it's still fresh in my head um and it like i think it's the kind of movie that just kind of gets better each time you watch it because you pick up little little ticks or choices by by the actors or or yeah. like filmmaking flourishes in some ways um that you just don't pick up the first time yeah um because it is such like a a deep and layered movie totally um, i think it, it 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 has i think at least so far it sort of exists outside of time i mean this movie and it's why i can't remember when it was made there's like no right. obvious time i feel like this could have been made in 1995 or today or in 2011 when it was like, mm-hmm. and I think it'll, I think it'll carry that on for, for a, a long, long time because it just, um, I think it's infinitely relatable as far as over time. I, I, it, it, I mean, there, it, it's, it's very stylized, but not in a like hip sort of way, not in a, in any sort of identifiable way other than it being a Lynn Lynn Ramsey movie. Um, It, it, this movie is, it's sort of, I mean, there, there are movies, there are movies that I don't, there, there are kinds of horror movies that I don't like to watch because Mm -hmm. I don't like to be that kind of scared. Like jump scares aggravate me just like they aggravate most people. Yep. Um, I don't like things that are designed just to try to Shock. scare me yeah i mean I, I like i like scary ideas and and interesting I, I, that's why i love cronenberg that's why i love mm-hmm. body horror i love these like things that challenge our ideas about life and all sorts of things not just sure. like a scary ghost thing that is going to be scary in the theater and then when i try to go to sleep tonight i'm gonna have trouble going to sleep right. even even the exorcist like the ideas in there are fascinating and challenging and interesting mm-hmm. uh, and so i don't i don't i'm not the kind of horror fan that just goes to whatever new horror movie is out because i i don't care um but there are enough of them made that are that are really challenging in i in ideas or philosophy or those sorts of things and, and this movie i just think hits that better than any other one i've seen it takes a big swing and like completely connects on, absolutely on every every bit and obviously like when we see the kinds of filmmaking greatness in other genres like this like that kind of movie gets nominated for an oscar you right. know but since this is disturbing and you know horror horror ish you yeah. know it, it it didn't get the kind of recognition that i think it probably deserved um, but one thing that I think is, is cool about this, and, and like you mentioned, is kind of timeless. Mm-hmm. Um, like this movie is never not going to be scary for parents. Yeah. Uh, ever. 
I, I, I cannot imagine a time or place or situation where this movie would not be utterly petrifying to anyone who has kids, uh, thinks about having kids, or, or even if you, if you want to, if you want to let your mind wander that far, is a kid. Fair. Yeah. Um, I would not want to see this as a kid for sure. <laughs> no, no, uh, not at all. But I mean, in in a sense, like any of us could have been Kevin. I, th- I think there's still a chance for me, if I'm being honest. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> I did own a bow and arrow as a child. I was very into archery mm. for some reason. So I, uh, I mean, I, I did not. Uh, I don't. Uh, I don't like things that I could accidentally hurt myself with. I was dumb. <laughs> I was just a dumb <laughs> child. That's what it comes down to. I think. <laughs> I, I've always, I have this thing where I've always been much more willing to take risks with my lifestyle rather than my life. Like, I don't like to do anything that could endanger my life because I love living. But, <laughs> um, but my lifestyle and, you know, make it this thing where I commit to all sorts of dumb things or without really thinking about them that stuff's Uh, fine (laughs) yeah i mean that's exciting because it i mean it's also stupid because there are lots of lifestyle choices that could totally end up killing you fair Uh, this is true um so i i mean i we've we've spent a lot of this conversation gushing about this movie for good reason so i think it's safe to say if you have not seen this movie just see this movie like you will enjoy it if you like good filmmaking if you like tension and, and thrills and drama uh it's all there so it is go watch it if you haven't seen it if you have seen it go watch it again why not it's it it's it's i i have never watched it and thought i didn't need to watch that again there's something there's so many details in it um that i just never i didn't see before there's this one that I, I, I don't see it every time I watch it, but I've seen it at least once when I watched it. There's a scene where Tilda Swinton is telling Kevin that he's gonna be a big brother. And and they're, it's like a two shot, so they're, they're both in the frame. And between them is a, is a Tyrannosaurus Rex, which like, maybe that didn't mean anything. Maybe it was just mm-hmm. a choice, but it made me think of like Oedipus Rex. And I'm like, whoa oh, holy shit and you know so much of filmmaking is happy accidents like i think so much of the the movie magic is things that accidentally happened the the greatest example of those being um gaspar noe's irreversible um Whew. where the the chance thing in that movie which talk about some other time but makes the movie infinitely more powerful um the tyrannosaurus rex in we need to talk about kevin does not make it infinitely more powerful but there's just so many there's so much to mine in this movie Mm -hmm. uh that it's it's going to always be on somewhat of a rotation in my in my movie watching nice yeah, and I think I think for good reason. Um, I think we've also I, I, established that it's the greatest film of the 21st century. I, I think I might be convinced at this point. <laughs> we'll, we'll 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 discuss it further when you come on our next episode. Excellent. And uh, we'll we'll see if it's if it's if I've been fully convinced. 
That is exciting. Since we haven't actually like talked about the film that you directed, do you want to just give like a, a brief, uh, you know, spiel about it? Because I've seen it. I love it. I think it's <laughs> it's awesome. Um, but I feel like you are better equipped to to talk about it for for a little bit. Um. Yeah, we we made a movie called This World Alone. It's a post-apocalyptic um, mother-daughter nature versus nurture drama uh, with some thrilling elements. We, we, we've had endless conversations about how to classify the movie. And, <laughs> um, you know, there's great benefit in making a genre film this day and age. And I, I'm not, obviously from my pick here for my favorite horror movie, uh, I'm not exactly a genre guy. Um, so it's, it's not straight any genre. I, I, would, right. I don't think anyway, <clears throat> uh, it's post-apocalyptic takes place about 20 years after an apocalyptic event that knocked out all power technology and, um, most of the population of earth. And, uh, it involves our main character, Sam, who is a young woman who lives with her mother and a sort of sister, mother, sister, mom situation. Um, <laughs> And they just live on their own thing. And then there's a thing that happens because things happen in movies and they make characters do things. <laughs> this thing that happens pushes our main character out into the world for the very first time to um, meet other people for the first time and try to get some supplies and things that they need to bring back to her homestead. And um, super low budget, lots of fun um best team ever um amazing actors uh i directed and edited and my filmmaking spouse uh who's not my actual spouse obviously um and cellular's guest and cellular's (laughs) guest who you all know hudson Hudson phillips Phillips. all of our many fans know um he is amazing and i love making things with him Um, but the whole, just an an amazing collaborative team. And uh, we shot in North Georgia. We shot it in 10 days. Super proud of it. Had a great festival run. Won a lot of awards that we were not expecting at all to win. (laughs) And, um, we're, we're very, we're very proud of it and we're very excited to get it out in the world. And we're even more excited about hopefully making another movie someday. So yeah of course hopefully hopefully things will come back to normal and we can all like hang out again that would be man that would be cool you know what i really really want to do is play dungeons and dragons again uh yes please Uh, i think about it all the time at least once a week it was so fun we we did uh i i i love dnd i'm a big dnd fan and i was honored to introduce jordan and hudson and uh, another one of our friends to the game um, by DMing a game for them. And yeah, it was so fun. We love yeah, it. Yeah. I mean, talk about challenging our upbringing. Yeah. Oh, man. My mom would have yeah. been pissed. <laughs> I mean, the, the satanic panic of the 80s and the stories I heard about things spontaneously combusting that were D&D related or, you know, all manner of creepy things that happened to people that were into role playing games. It felt uh, like, like really one of, it felt like it really made a bridge between risking my lifestyle and my life. Hopefully we'll be able to play to again. I'm anxious to do it yeah. again. Yes. We will, we'll, we'll make a plan for it sometime next year. We'll figure it out. It'll be, yeah. it'll be good. Awesome. Um, and then, yeah, ho- 
hopefully we'll get you on another episode when we do possession because yeah. that movie's awesome oh. and very scary <laughs> in a lot of ways so good um but but yeah this has been a such a great conversation about a great movie um and yeah, I guess we'll we'll leave it at that. Anything, any final final thoughts? Any final any final goodbyes? <laughs> uh, I mean this this I, I, this was so much fun. Thank you for having me and for letting me ramble about a movie I love. It's it's one of my my great but rare joys in life is to get to just um, you know gush over a movie. I, I I will I will often go to the movies or stay up late and watch a movie, and the next day I'll gush about it to to Lily, my wife, and she's like, glad, glad, glad you enjoyed that. Uh, she's incredibly it's good to have an outlet. But yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's not, I mean, she, we have great conversations about movies and, and a lot of times she does stay up. We watched, we started Gone Girl at 11, 11 at night the other night and we stayed up all the whole, watched the whole thing. It was great. Um, Holy but, cow. And so, and we have great conversations about that, but like possession, she's not, she's not super into watching possession with me. That's fair. That's, it's, I, to- I it's, that. it's, it's totally fair. I mean, really <laughs> it a lot of times makes me think like, should I, should I be watching this? Should I be staying up till two or three in the morning to watch this? Is this good for me? It's is this good? It. Is this good yeah. for my parenting? What, what kind of influence is this having? My mom I'll says, tell you what don't watch a lot of the movies uh, that we've done episodes on. If you want to feel good about yourself. <laughs> <laughs> My mom's always like, you got to be careful about what you watch. My mom has said the same thing many times to me and she is, she has not listened to any episodes. I think, thankfully um, <laughs> she would, they're, they're not for her. I think. No, no. <laughs> I love you mom, but, but this, you, you like, you like nicer movies. <clears throat> well, thank you. Thank I, you I could talk to you all night. So you just have to, you have to say, Jordan, it's time. It's time to hang up. Jordan, it's time to hang up until okay. until our next D and D game or uh, movie conversation. One of the two, we'll figure it out. But yes, please. Um, thank you again, and uh, yeah, we'll just we'll just say goodbye. Thank you for listening, everybody. Yeah. Whatever, I guess. 